Hello, welcome back to Entertainment Marketing Confidential. This is special episode four. Ah, what does that mean? Well, in episode 13, Craig led us through a very fascinating history of the horror genre, and we briefly touched upon brands in the horror space. And we figured, you know what, we're not done with this. We really have to talk a little bit more about brands in that space, and we wanted to bring in some experts. Now, if we didn't make it clear, Craig and I are huge horror fans. You know, from its German roots and the Universal Monsters to the Conjuring franchise, it's a space that we enjoy. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time Craig and I watched Jaws or I slept through Jaws or an episode of What We Do in the Shadows, I could buy, I don't know, like four pizzas, maybe two and a half. It kind of depends where I'm at and what size they are. But I could buy some stuff because it's been a lot. Small pizzas. Those little maybe, bagel like the personal ones. Pizza. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, bagel, little bagel season one. one of What We Do in the Shadows. I mean, we've easily watched together seven times. So that's a lot of pizza. Anyway, so... Today, we have James Box and David Murphy from Insight joining us. Hello! Hi, James! Hello. Hello. Hi, how are you? Very well. Thank you. Thank you. So, James is the head of Limelight at Insight, and David is an Insight researcher who wrote an amazing blog post about why brands shouldn't fear horror. So, welcome! So, tell us a little bit about what you do and who you are. Thanks for having us. Um, I just say I'm James. I am the head of Limelight. I'm one of the researchers at Insight. And Dave is our content writer. Um, Insight is a audience insight consultancy. Uh, we work with a number of global brands across automotive, fashion, luxury watches, uh, plus record labels. And then more recently, uh, film and TV producers and financiers. Uh, we work using social media trend and survey data when helping to inform and shape the entertainment marketing strategies for brands and for producers. Um, so this could be talent endorsements uh, or even brand partnerships in film and TV. And yeah, that's what we do. And for the non-numbers people, um, data works. I mean, what we've been seeing with Blue Dot and the pandemic, you know, it's one thing, you know, I like to say though, how many times Insights managed to validate my gut instinct <laughs> I'm like a natural yeah. data analyzer. No, but it's true. It's like you take out personal opinion and you really find things and narrow in on, you know, a brand's audience and what their preferences are and what they're about. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for you guys with you know 20 years experience, that's worth a lot, but it's still useful to take, you know, the bigger picture and drill down into different audience groups and see how they respond to different um, Agreed. campaigns Agreed. or different genres. So, yeah, it's... And it's a lot easier to sell in than Daphne thinks he's hot. <laughs> or yeah, that's Daphne's favorite basketball player, which is valid. But yeah, put a million dollars on that. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we take that preference and turn it into numbers for you. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys are absolutely happy to go, yeah, you're wrong. And here's why. <laughs> that's what yeah, I like about it. Awesome. It's unbiased. It's, yeah. you know, the information speaks for itself. Yeah, and then that's that's what's happened in the past. We've we've said, yeah, you know, this this person would be a good fit, but 
you know, you need to be wary of this, this, and this. Well, or like this. actually, this person's terrible, or this person's great, and this is how you should use them based on these target audiences. Oh, or those people do horror films. See how I just put that back on topic? Mm-hmm. All right, David. Now we got to pick your brain a bit. So, mm-hmm. what was, I guess, the gap you saw where you felt the need to sort of start doing some research into that space between? brand culture, film culture, and horror specifically? Yeah, I think horror is is the specific one. Um, it's Brands are not massively common in horror films, not so much as they are in the uh, you know, uh, other genres that we see coming out of Hollywood. Um, I think that is generally down to the fact that um, basically um, a lot of... <sighs> systems and products and objects and just general things that we use day to day start failing us in horror films because that starts stripping away the idea of reliability and safety and security. And obviously that makes brands a bit uncomfortable. Take, you know, your Mm -hmm. mobile phone, sorry, cell phone. Um, We speak British. It's okay. (laughs) You speak British. Excellent. Excellent. (laughs) I see you're fluent. Um, Sure. We watch the telly. (laughs) (laughs) Let me put my cutlery down. (laughs) Um, So you're unlikely to get Apple signing off on their iPhone being completely useless to the protagonist in a horror film for, you know, 90 minutes, you know, it's out of range or it's running out of battery. Um, You know, they are not going to be happy with their product being shown to be unreliable. But we did come across a study by uh, Leah H. Dunn at uh, UBC. And she did some very interesting research showing that when people watched horror movies, particularly alone, they started to form much stronger brand attachment um, to f- certainly for f- to familiar brands. Um, it just seems to go into that, well, you know, pretty established psychological idea that when you're scared, you start reaching out for something familiar to you. And that's and brands Yes, and that's safety. And brands can definitely fill that hole as long as it's not the brand itself that's terrifying them. So, for instance, if they see a can of Coke near them and something scary is happening on screen, that's great. You know, they start to form a bigger attachment or greater attachment, I should say, uh, to that can of Coke. But if that can of Coke is attacking someone on screen and that has happened in maximum overdrive i think a vending machine starts <laughs> <That's true. laughs> turning on the general public um so i'm not not just making that up it did happen um <laughs> <laughs> that that would probably not help well it would not help with your brand attachment but then again the horror crowd are a funny bunch you know they they may lord that because it's quite a famous moment in that film actually mm-hmm. so there is, yeah, there is definitely a lot of potential there. I mean, horror films are a strange genre in cinema. They're a very acquired taste. Some people just outright do not like horror films. Um, that's that's obviously personal personal preference. Um, but they are regular um, money machines, essentially. Uh, in terms of ROI, they're very impressive. They tend to be made on the cheap and they tend to perform very, very solidly at the box office. And particularly over the last 10 years, we've seen them really start to impact uh, top tens and so forth oh. with 
The Conjuring and uh, the It movies, they particularly made a massive splash. It is total office. garbage. I just yes, like it is. Yeah, it is. It's very <laughs> unfortunate. I'd also like to point out that it cost me seventy five dollars for Craig and I to see that in New what? York. We uh, got two wow. movie tickets and I got popcorn and sodas and I couldn't stop laughing. I'm like, that was $75. <laughs> and then I got bored and just walked out <laughs> and I walked around the theater and I go make phone calls. I watched the, I watched the whole thing and you know what? I, it wasn't, I liked the first part better, but I'm willing to go hmm. back and watch the second part again. Cause to me, it's, it's a complete story, both movies. So I, I want to see it again and, Oh, it didn't yeah. feel like a complete story. Well, <laughs> it felt like complete shit is what it yes, felt like. That, that it is, felt like I a would money agree graph. with Daphne there, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it was. It was $75. It, you know, what you're saying, like, you've, you've raised some really good points about the genre, but the first one that, the first note I made was um, when you're talking about the phone. Now, yeah. Nokia, I mean, going as far back to the Scream movies, etc. Nokia was always all in. Cloverfield, um, Panic Room. But from what I understand from their agency, all Daphne's movies, um, (laughs) there's a difference between hardware and software. And it's always very clear what's failing you is the service provider. Ah, Your phone is kicking ass, um, but the towers went down. So if that was very clear, they were fine with it. Like they were, you know, go back and look at uh, Cloverfield. Like it's all... Panasonic and Nokia, but they got it. They understood, you know, they understood the audience and, you know, having worked on, it's always been one of my favorite genres. And then one of my favorite things, like when you said, people say, I don't like horror. Well, which part of horror? You don't like found footage. You don't like thrillers, slashers, supernatural. They don't don't like being scared too. Yeah. But it always made me crazy. And then that genre was always looked at as, Oh, it's just a horror movie, which you know, that was one was always a sticking point with me in my career because mm. I would defend it every time. And then when you started looking at when you brought up the point about top 10 movies and box office, it wasn't let's make a cheap movie for 20 bucks and let's just get, you know, just just take the money and run these movies. I mean, the conjuring and what's resulted from that. These are great films. And when you look at the past 10 years, the past five years, because I see movies all the time, especially horror films, one, they're year round. Two, there's brands all over them, and it's the same mm. brands. It's funny. It's Apple all in now, from the computers right. to their phones. And then the one who I think just wins the category is Volvo. Volvo's been sticking cars in quote-unquote horror for I don't know how long. And it's just really interesting that, you know, it, it's one of the few areas where, you know, as much as we were talking about, like, how derivative or kind of making fun of it, too, I think it kind of got caught up in itself, if it would have taken out the silly, ridiculous effects, it would have been still a very good movie. But it tried mm. to, to. We talked about this in our the the episode on horror. Like they try and outdo themselves. Well, if we did this one like jump scare, let's make it ten times worse. Yeah, we all know the scariest thing is what's in our head in our imagination. Right. And and going back to childhood fears, I'm afraid of the dark. You want to freak me out? There was the cabin in the woods. I thought a shadow moved. Lost my mind. And my friend, okay, my friend Dan and I have been seeing pretty much every horror film we can for, oh my God, 15 years. And it's just those little things. You go back to that childhood. So that childhood fears. But what you're saying about the brands, you know, we've talked about a couple of times on the podcast, you know, the brands that, you know, where my mom always, like, I, 
I'm Jif peanut butter. And this comes up all the time as well. Like the certain brands that remind you of home, remind you of being safe when you see those. And then when you look at our, like our film release reports for the past couple of years, it's tied. It's Coca-Cola. It's those same brands that have been around since the dawn of time, which still, like you're saying in the research, make us feel safe. And if I'm looking around a room and I've got two zombies and the only thing I recognize is a Coke can, guess what? Coke can, let's go. Wilson, we talk about a lot in Castaway. Like you can't form attachments to something that's not human because you project those human qualities to it. So I think any sort of let's say blue chip company, the iconic brands go all in. You have the history, you have the reputation and unfriended where were they on Skype or FaceTime? I think they're on Skype, but they blurred it out. Yeah. You know, it's not Skype. Like who who would think that's Skype's fault? You know? So I'd like to see the, I'd like to see brands do more with this space. Do you have pushback from horror filmmakers, though, who feel that having familiar brands in makes their films less effective? I'm thinking back to something like It Follows, where they're all using strange devices, unfamiliar technology mm-hmm. that doesn't really have a period. You know, it's, it's very difficult to know when It Follows is actually set. Yeah. Um, and that's obviously deliberate to yep. disorientate you. Yep. So I do want, do, in your experience, does that happen? It do go, I don't want Coke in there because that's going to give them something to hold on to and I want them absolutely. That's all filmmakers. Know, that's every, that's every movie. Yep. That's every TV show, every film. Yep. You know, and that's what I've always liked about my professional choices is the story takes the front seat. And yep. if a brand stops the action or a brand seems out of place, that's going to, that's not good for the brand. And I've, you yep. know, the past you know 20 years, I've been more concerned with the brand and their experience, but as a filmmaker, I want them to push back. But if something yep. makes sense, like I remember panic room, like the phone made so much sense. I have Nokia in there. You do it. Yep. You know, there's certain films mm-hmm. where the brand makes perfect sense, but it's all content, you know, but I've noticed you know, I also like making fun of Sons of Anarchy because when you go into that world, it's all fake brands. Um, mm. And that sort of took me out of it a little bit. But I'm yeah. also not a typical content viewer. I'm going to notice brands more than probably most people. And I think whatever world the filmmaker wants to create, we're there to help her or him create that world. Brand, no brand, sometimes making... um you know, prototypes or maybe going into our archive and finding things to help create that discomfort. Like not, you know, let's find last year's phone and brands do get it. You know, like, look, we're trying, this isn't supposed to be real world. You're not, this isn't, this isn't the movie to sort of showcase your latest technology. But once you love, I would love to see, yeah, maybe a new app, GPS or phone functions or a flashlight feature. I would love to see a brand go all into a horror film in terms of promotion and sort of the activations around a property like they would on, say, uh, you know, the next Tom Cruise movie. There it is. There's my Tom <laughs> reference. Um, but you know, I'd, I'd like to see them do more with it. Or the next Matt Damon movie, right? Exactly. He's big. Exactly. <laughs> you know. He was good. And I, in, uh, what was that movie you like? Something about Mary. Shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> Drugstore cowboy. He was in that. Oh yeah. <laughs> he was and a little the outsiders. young, little young for the role, but he he did a great job. Yeah. Shame yeah. on you. Just to add what you were saying there, Daphne. I think I think it is interesting. I was watching The Invisible Man last night in preparation for for this blog post. Wait, the, the original. Kind of, the original. No. 
No, the oh. $20 should have been a theatrical is now oh, okay. Okay. VOD. And <laughs> what was really interesting there, obviously I'm a little bit like you and I just notice a, a lot of brands when they, when they do appear. And the thing that really stood out was the brands were very much just part of a background yeah. scene. You, you weren't, you, I couldn't really see how brands would be able to kind of take that and make it into a larger campaign. Um, they were, you know, they were very much just the background, but because of that, I felt like it sits with the story really well. It didn't, it didn't kind of take you out of the scene mm -hmm. and maybe it was people like us who just seem to notice it more. Maybe for other people, it would just be very, um, well, more subtle for fun. Sometime this week, watch hollow man. It was a Sony film oh, from like 97, film, yeah. 98. Um, Josh Brolin. It came out in 2000? Yeah. Look at Mr. IMDb up there. Look at the brand. Research, part of my research. So. Yeah. Check out the brands in that one. Cool. Yeah. But, but just for comparison. And it's interesting is, you know, for me, horror, um, like Jaws I could watch on my phone, Jaws I could watch in a theater, Jaws I could watch on my TV with commercials, Jaws I could probably have Craig take two socks and recreate it for me and I'm still going to watch it because Jaws to me is just, it has all of it in terms of I think being scared, you know, in terms of, it, to me it's a perfect horror film and I know everyone thinks slasher but no, Jaws is scary as shit. Um, Halloween's the perfect horror film. Slasher. It's still the perfect horror film. Ah, uh, uh, when a stranger calls. No, the first one. By the way, like, James, if you watch the original Invisible Man from 1933, I think there's actually a product exposure in there. I won't tell you what it is, but it's in there. I can't tell you. It's a car. <laughs> it's very, it's very organic. But I noticed it a long time ago when I saw it, and I, it's probably one of the earlier examples I've ever I can remember of. You know, a product getting exposure in a in a film, a real product, anyway. Wait, wait yeah. go, going back to the blog post, since we're really mm -hmm. talking about seeing brands, what categories do you think lend themselves better for horror? Like where maybe audiences would be more receptive to? Yeah. So for this particular research, we had access to a custom survey. We work with um, a data survey company called Global Web Index. So we launched a custom survey that was just for us around a thousand or so people across the UK and the US. And this was one of the questions that we asked. Um, in addition to looking at the attributes of the particular movie or the particular genre, in this case, mm -hmm. horror, that they enjoyed the most, we then started to look at brand recalls. So which brand categories were they most likely to remember seeing featured in a particular movie? So for those who identified horror as their kind of favorite genre, mm -hmm. um, food and drink brands were up there, which we felt lends, even though horror movies are released year round, we felt like that would lend really well to your kind of trick or treat Halloween uh, period, uh, clothing brands, as much as that could bring challenges for the brand, clothing brands were something that people tend to remember, mm -hmm. um, especially this audience. Uh, obviously, challenges for the brand there are, you know, ripped clothes, mm -hmm. uh, you know, muddy, bloody. Um, so in maybe, this, maybe uh, not. Maybe, yeah. And yeah. then automotive um, were a big one. And like you said, Volvo, um, you've spotted them a lot. And again, Invisible Man, Audi. 
not nothing really to do with the storyline, just to show that there's a particular character who's wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just, yeah. But yeah. And then interesting, actually, for the younger demographic, the 16 to 24 year olds, mm-hmm. cell phones and consumer tech in general were their most memorable. Whereas the 55 plus age group, it was restaurants and fast food, just those really recognizable brands. Well, I think, I mean, for me, like you were talking about the connection to Halloween trick or treat, the first thing I thought of was comfort food. Yeah. People snack when they're anxious. It's just that, yeah, you eat. And I think as well, just referring back to this study at UBC, one of the really interesting things they found was that the brand replaces that person next to you. So whether you're sitting at home watching it or you're sitting in a dark theater, you don't have that connection to somebody next to you for support. So the brand almost replaces that person. And yeah, I agree. Comfort food. You know, you're yeah. hugging onto a pack of chips. That's not crisps yeah. for you, Dave. I mean, um, <laughs> I, mean I, I do that when I watch comedies. So it's, I guess that makes sense. So that's what you're doing mm-hmm. on the plane when you're watching stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I was saying before, like with Jaws, I can watch anywhere. But with horror, I prefer it in a theater. Sure, I'd watch Invisible Man, 20 bucks in my living room. No way. I want 100 strangers <laughs> all sitting there having the same ridiculous experience. And I like yelling at the screen. Um, I don't know. It's a whole experience. Like, I think it's just so perfectly suited for in theater. I think it loses something at home. Yeah, there is that roller coaster mm. element to it that you you do want to experience with a crowd rather yeah. than in your own living room. I mean, I'll watch stuff at home. I remember watching Pet Cemetery the first one once, and I was at my boyfriend at the time his house, and I left. I'm like, I can't. This scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and then there's one Walking Dead where I called my mom, and I assure you, I would not do that. And nor do things usually scare me. But I was like, that was really creepy, and I'm home alone. <laughs> You know, normally I don't have that, you know, but I just prefer to me. It's a whole experience. I get my big popcorn. I have my soda. I know I'm strapping in. Yeah. It's like going to Disneyland. It's like a theme park. I'm going to go enjoy the thrills, you know, just with a room full of strangers is a way better experience for me. Yeah, I agree. And you, that, being a kind of immersed in the storyline, it's, it's much easier at home to be pulled out of that through just general distractions that you yeah. don't get in the theater. And yeah. I, and that's one of the things, again, back to the blog post, one of the earlier questions we asked was, what is it about horrors that you enjoy the most? And the idea behind that was linking enjoyment to the connection to brands. You know, we, we know that if somebody's enjoying the content more, they are more likely to notice brands and more likely to form that relationship. And after scary scenes, which is a given, believability and immersion were the kind of the top attributes that's really interesting so yeah, definitely made for theaters and you know i just remember like you know the research that you know we're just as likely to be receptive to messaging when we're scared as when we're happy you know it, it pretty much on mm-hmm. every point i'm trying to think what haven't we covered about horror you know like i i just i still don't you know as much as we talk about it and you look at the data you look at the research and then you look at what people go see you look at the box office you know you look at everything about this and i I don't know. It's nice to see the uptick from brands and I hope we see more of that, but I'm waiting for that. I cannot think of an example of where like a top notch luxury brand just went all in on a horror film. I mean, Nokia did to some degree with Cloverfield. Like I think Nokia was ahead of their time 
when it came to the genre. I mean, this, the movies they chose to do. I thought they did such a great job with mm-hmm. things. We always used to kind of joke like that stock portfolio. You're going to do kind of those big tent pulls. You're going to do some random little independence, do some TV, some music videos. So, of course, you'd be seen in horror because you're supposed to be everywhere. So I like their approach. I always thought it was really interesting compared to other brands. They're like, no, 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 no. No, I, I think it's, I mean, as we've found in our research, horror has been around for so long. It's typically been successful the entire time it's been around. But now that studios release their horror films year round instead of in that, you know, certain window and the quality has gone up, that the, the uh, talent uh, engagement has increased. You're getting A-list actors wanting to do horror, A-list directors doing horror, mm-hmm. even though, a-list directors today got their start in horror. It just never had that same prestige, I think, as it does today. So you're seeing more films, better quality films. And you can't argue with the box office numbers and the number of people that are seeing these movies. So it's like brands, I think, are starting to get that. It's not just this little niche genre that, you know, comes out for three months every year. It's yeah. it's it's more successful than, you know, most of the other genres out there, if you want to talk about consistency, I mean, it's probably the, I, I'm going to take superheroes out of it because I think that mm-hmm. obviously yeah. delivers every time. Well, for Marvel, but absolutely. <laughs> and also like we were saying, like it, it doesn't cost a lot. You don't have to worry about the talent cost. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who did you say started with Piranhas 2, James Cameron? Yeah, that was his first yeah. directing gig. I'm pretty sure he got fired, too, off of it. So, <laughs> yeah. But then he went on to do, you know, the first Terminator and never looked back. So Yeah, I mean, think about now. I mean, you know, we know, you know, Silence of the Lambs in terms of, you know, Oscar winners. But now, I mean, you know, to have a screenplay or whatnot. And then you look at Parasite. I mean, I think I consider Parasite horror. It's a thriller. I mean, they're finally being recognized by, let's say, those conventional criteria. Oh, box office check. You know, the audience is there. Great. Return on investment. Now they're nominated for Oscars. What more does horror need to do? And is it just people don't like being uncomfortable? People don't like being afraid? I mean, let's be completely honest. I mean, right now we're living through contagion. I mean, this is, and I joked right at the very beginning, but I told my kids, I go, we've seen every zombie movie. We know this is how every apocalypse starts. We've trained for this. You just say the word, we're in the car, and we could live off the mountains for a month. Because I've been training for the zombie apocalypse my whole life. And you think everything we've ever seen in horror has prepared us for today. And I'm curious what's going to happen now. Because for me, I can't think of anything more terrifying than being trapped in my house and not being able to travel. <laughs> a virus outside. Like I leave every day when I leave the house. If I, well, actually I don't leave the house, but when I, that once a week, when I go to the grocery store, you'd think it's the walking dead where I have my gun going through like a bombed out grocery store, getting supplies. That's how I feel every day. So I feel like I'm in, like it's now day 50, whatever of a real life horror movie. I'm curious where horror is going to go with this. Like, are we going to see a bunch of whatever films, you know, about this, but the things that kept us through this are brands. It was zoom. Mm -hmm. It was, you know, Charmin. 
Charmin. I mean, just, I was gonna get that. Like, to me, brand Purell. brand culture played such a strong role in this. Yeah, from we desired food, we couldn't get hand sanitizer, toilet paper. I mean, toilet paper currencies. You know, my God, forget smuggling in cocaine. You can be smuggling in two ply toilet paper. Like it's. Mm. I'm curious how the real life horror movie is going to change the genre, and I'm curious now. If brands will be like, we survived a global pandemic. Fuck it. Let's just do the promotion with the next conjuring. Like, I'd love to see. I don't know. I, I, I think things are going to change a bit because it's like, it's not that scary anymore. Oh, it's only one guy at the virus. Fuck you. I'll just kill you and put you in my closet. Like, I'm curious what's going to scare us next after this. That is a very interesting question um and it will be interesting (laughs) (laughs) it's um yeah very long question it's (laughs) horror tends to respond it may just go completely the opposite way um and become very fantastical like it did in the 80s for instance um ah that's a good because yeah because i think reality itself is is pretty terrifying Mm -hmm. at the moment um you know, as we say, we are all living in Steven Soderbergh's Contagion. That that film, it turned with out Matt to be scary. The actor, with Matt Damon, there you go, yes. The actual Matt Damon, <laughs> the real one. <laughs> he's everywhere, man. Yeah, he's quite the career. But that's a good point about going back to Slasher. And even now, I think, you know, when I revisit, like, okay, my two kids, my oldest daughter, hates the genre but i take that back she likes aliens um the arrival like more say sci-fi not so much supernatural definitely not slasher the little one horror all the way and that tells you right there i mean if a nine-year-old goes oh eh, you know like go back to silly over the top kind of like the rob zombie halloween where it's you know, we're not trying to change the world. We're not trying to be better people. We want people to have the fantasy is going to be winning, like defeating, taking out evil very quickly, um, very finite. Like this, you know, but though I have to say, though, I think ghosts are always there. <laughs> I always have paranormal activities. I think they should do a reboot of 12 Monkeys. Mm. <laughs> I think they're starting to um, starting evolve. Naturally. What, they're starting naturally. to evolve what what horror is like. If you have like um, Get Out, um, it's a very uh, cultural horror, and then you have mm-hmm. Parasite that you mentioned, which is a uh, a class warfare kind of horror. I mean, and we are living a political horror as well as this pandemic horror. Before the- so, <laughs> so it's interesting. Yeah, what uh, routes horror is going to take with just this ever-evolving existential horror we're all living every single month it's probably going to be the death the uh the more the murder hornets that we have now in the US. Right? What the hell? Gonna be the new, that's gonna be the new like, one what the hell what, Wait, what the are hell? what are murder hornets just google it like legit these asian so you have a honeybee that's you know so these hornets that are now in the u.s are two uh-huh. inches Okay. And <laughs> they go through like, you can die from it. Just sort of depends how you are with the venom, but <laughs> they're bad. We want none of these, but I like how the Asian murder hornet is now in the U S. Okay. Well, and of course, but you think we've had locust 
We've had all kinds of shit this year. 2020 can fuck off. <laughs> now, did we, we miss wild, anything? Wild boars in Canada taking over towns. So, yeah, 2020. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, I don't know what to say. So, going back to the blog, did we cover everything? I, as the person who wrote it, um, think we have, yes. <laughs> 18 months ago, um, and as I, as, as I often have to tell um, the founder of Insight, I'm only an expert in these things for a couple of days while I write them. <laughs> I tend to move on. I've been interviewed by, by university students like a professor in it. I'm like, no, no, you've probably done far more in this subject than I ever have. But um, but uh, horror is a lifelong passenger for mine, so it was a very enjoyable article. To, uh, What's your favorite to... horror film? Um, uh, and you can well, pick a couple because we know, like, okay, can, in, you know. In terms of being a, a great film, I would have to say The Exorcist. But oh. um, oh, but then there's also The Wicker Man. I like The Wicker Man a lot. The, but it, the original, it, right? the original, of course, of course yeah. the original. Yeah. The remake was not. Yes, not the remake with the murder bees. Yeah. Oh god. Um, <laughs> so um, but the most scary film I've ever seen is uh, the Spanish film Wreck. Um, that was the most terrifying film I've ever seen. Hmm. Um, which also is is well, it's another quarantine film themed film. So uh, yes, so there you go. There's there's my three. Okay, I'll have All to right. check that out. I have not seen that. Yes, how about you? Uh, I'd say some of the more recent ones that we've covered have definitely come on high up on the list. I thought Get Out was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I rewatched Sounds of the Lambs for the first time right. since being a kid fairly recently, and it is a great movie, um, mm-hmm. of which they're doing a TV spin-off, which will be interesting. Um, so, yeah, I'd say, I'd say they kind of split between some of the more recent ones and then they're kind of really well known okay Mm. eric how about you um i would say my favorite right now is probably a recent one uh, hereditary oh okay Uh, yeah hereditary was such a well done horror movie um just i i uh, it wasn't even like jump scares it was just that that creepy lingering feeling throughout the entire thing yeah, it was it was great. Um, and then Silence of the Lambs, uh, I probably yeah. I mean Anthony Hopkins. I mean that was just such an iconic portrayal. Um, yeah. Ugh. Okay, Craig. Uh, five feet apart. <laughs> 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 Scariest fucking movie I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. and Polly. Oh God! <laughs> I, I always go back to some of the classics. I like uh, the original Halloween, the the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, Silence of the Lambs is an amazing film. Yeah, it's uh, it, it, with horror. There's so many subgenres, though. It's hard to really pick one. I mean, I go back to some movies in the '40s that I really love. I, the original The Invisible Man is one of my favorites. Uh, the original Frankenstein. Um, even some of the silent stuff like a uh, cabinet of Dr. Caligari. I still, it's just mm-hmm. fascinating film to me. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, you fucker, did one. you look at my list? No. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, uh, American werewolf in London is one of my favorites. Uh, oh, yeah. The original, yeah. the original fright nights. One of my favorites. Uh, 
Stop um, it. I just have, I have too many. List. I have too many, but I mean, there's so many good ones and there's so many I have yet to see. I'll say one of my favorite ghost stories is The Devil's Backbone, though, by uh, Guillermo del Toro. Such a great film, too. So I don't know. I'm all over the place. Um, It's funny. Silence of the Lambs. I mean, that is just, I mean, amazing. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula for me. Jaws. Fright Night. The whole conjuring whatever's going on there. And then I can't pick a zombie one. Like, that's when, like, because there's kind of two trains of thoughts. Like, the slow-moving zombie freaks me the fuck out. And then those World War Z fast-moving motherfuckers freak me out. Well, 28 um, Days Later was the first uh, one. Yeah. Zombies. And that was, that was scary. So good. Uh, Is that the one where um, the thing peeks in the room and she's holding out to the mirror, lifting her feet, where it can't see her? I don't uh, no. think so. No, I don't think so. I got to figure out which one it is because I'm like, I'm going to have a heart attack. But th- I love all of them. I like Ghost. I found, I mean, removing Blair Witch. I think that was dumb, but like found, <laughs> I like all of them. Anything. Oh, possession. Yeah. Kind of supernatural exorcist. Anything with the devil is amazing. I'll pretty much go see anything if I can go I mean, get popcorn. We should, we should probably throw in Psycho because Psycho is so good and one of the early examples of that kind of. Like, I don't know, slasher genre, but it was really a messed up psychological, you know, horror. Yeah. Well, yeah. everything he did, you think? Yeah. But always had like between the camera shots. The the 80s? Birds. Which Inva- one? Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Was that the the, uh, the original? Was, the original was from 56, I think. And then they, they did, did a remake like, in the late 70s. I, I prefer the 70s remake. Yeah. The 70s is oh, really oh, yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. I, I love the original, but I, I haven't seen the uh, one from the 70s. If it oh, is you good. should. Yes, yeah, okay. very good. Recommend. Okay. We'll check well, that out. Well, guys, does anybody else have anything to add? Stay safe. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, James and David, thanks for joining us. And yeah, David, thank, thank you. Okay. Yeah, Six thanks. hours Chicago, so... God, what time is it there for you now? Five? Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. It's going can't do time math. It's key time now. Yes. <laughs> By that you mean booze or have a yeah. pint somewhere. Exactly, yeah. No, I can't go for a pint anywhere, can I? Uh, <laughs> kitchen? <laughs> I can do that, yeah. It's funny, it's on Zoom. Um, we were in a meeting and my background was Dukes in London. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyway, so that wraps another episode of Entertainment Marketing Confidential. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate us on iTunes. If not, you don't have to rate us. Until next time, I'm Daphne. I'm Craig. And this is Entertainment Marketing Confidential. Bye.